You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. We're joined now by Dr. Haley Newbro. She's a pediatric hospitalist at Mercy One North Iowa Medical Center. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you're a pediatric hospitalist. Just first off, let's start out by what does that involve day to day and what are the types of things do you see? Yes. So a pediatric hospitalist is a person who specializes in caring for hospitalized children only. So there are pediatricians um, that choose to work in the hospital and care for infants all the way up to 18 years with um, any various types of illnesses that require a hospital setting. Historically, the pediatricians um, in the outpatient setting would um, round on their own patients in the hospital, um, but it's become uh, a, more of a newer process where pediatricians that practice in the clinic stay in the clinic, and then we have the pediatric hospitalists uh, specialized in hospital medicine and care for the patients in the hospital. So we know that when it comes to illness, that our smallest humans are are some of the most vulnerable. And so there's a little extra protection when it comes to things that might be contagious. Um, Can you first just talk about what are are some of the common illnesses you see and when are they most prevalent? What should people watch for? Um, Yes, good question. So um, as you said, the infants um, oftentimes uh, bear the brunt of the diseases during the respiratory season, just because they don't have a fully developed immune system yet. And they probably haven't been fully vaccinated. Um, Also complications from them being a couple weeks early can have a major impact on their respiratory status. So during the winter months, our major major, um, concern is for those infants born, um, oftentimes what the public thinks is that a normal, just a week or two early, maybe 35, 36 weeks, and they did okay, But when they get a viral infection, they can be um, way more sick than a term infant can be. And they're at a much higher risk of infection. So caring for patients with bronchiolitis, which is inflammation of the lower airways in infants, is one of our primary um, illnesses that we see and take care of that can be caused by RSV, but also by many other viruses. Yeah, you um you talked you just mentioned RSV just now and so that it's kind of like a cold but can be m- m- way more serious for infants or even older adults. I was doing some research um ahead of this conversation and saw that according to the CDC each year in the United States an estimated 58,000 children under the age of 5 are hospitalized due to this type of infection. So I know that since the pandemic started with coronavirus, we talk a lot about um, watch your distance and wash your hands and things like that. That's true for a lot of illnesses besides just coronavirus, especially when we talk about infants. Uh, Yes, interestingly, we saw um, the pediatric floors were very quiet um, during the first year of the pandemic due to everyone washing and distancing. Um, the RSV basically vanished and we didn't see any of those really sick babies because of the hand washing and precautions people were doing. So um, that was um, a good thing that we saw come from that. Of course, now, as soon as the mask came off and the, and the restrictions were lessened, we're seeing RSV again and enterovirus as another uh, very serious virus for younger infants, where it's not as much for older children. But um, 
It's very important. And when I send home newborns, I always talk about RSV and distancing yourself because it might just look like a cold or could be even asymptomatic for older children or adults, but it can be deadly for children. Once a year, we see a, a baby with RSV that is critically ill to dying. And it's a very serious illness and we don't have good treatment for it other than supportive care and helping them get through it. You know, when, when we add to the family, we want to love and, and be close to that new addition, but need to remember to be safe. And sometimes that's keeping people away. Yes, it is. I actually tell all my new parents here in the nursery that they can um, blame it on the pediatrician, but that their baby should not be around a lot of people the first six weeks of life, even up to two months. Um, definitely in the four-week range, if six and eight weeks sounds way too long, um, definitely not out in big open spaces, shopping malls, Walmart, Target. Um, they should be away from a lot of contact because during that time they can get critically ill and people want to touch the baby. As far as siblings, you know, everyone's excited for the siblings to meet the baby. What I usually tell families is to have the siblings, um, you know, they want to touch all little kids want to touch. So have them touch the back of the baby's head. Um, of course, after they've washed their hands, um, people want to hold baby's hands and touch their face. Those are the places where germs are going to get in. So I tell them, you know, to instruct the chill, other children, yep, touch baby at the back of the head. Why? Because the baby himself or herself cannot touch the own back of their head and then get their hands in their mouth. Um, but if you're always touching the baby's hands, those baby's hands go right to his own mouth or her own mouth and just spread those germs. And the germs are going to get in through the eyes, the nose and the mouth. So it's kind of a safe way to let the siblings participate, but it's to touch in an area where it's not going to hurt the baby and definitely not kissing any of the babies because that would bring up another topic, which would be HSV. It doesn't take much of a, of a Google search about don't kiss babies and you're going to come up with a number of blogs. Um, there's some organizations out there, even right here in Iowa and other states that champion this cause. Um, so let's take a, talk a little bit about that other illness you just mentioned. What was that? So um, enterovirus and HSV would be two other ones that can be very deadly for infants. So HSV is herpes simplex virus, and we have two types. As most people know, there's a oral HSV and a genital HSV, but the two can be located in either um, place. And so people can just, it looks like a cold sore to a lot of people. And even if they don't currently have a cold sore, they may still be shedding virus. Upwards of 60 to 70% of the population will attest that they've been exposed at some time and you don't know if you are shedding it. But kissing a baby and giving that seemingly benign virus to a neonate can cause seizures, um, meningitis, and even death. So it's extremely important to avoid that. I've taken care of several babies where it was passed from a cold sore to the infant and caused seizures and can cause long-term neurologic sequelae. So it's really important not to do that, even though people want to, of course, and I understand that, but for the baby's sake, we just can't do that. Enterovirus, it is late summer and early fall, so enterovirus is really making a, a big um, splash right now on all the wards. And so that's a virus that in older kids can look like the stomach flu. Um, it, it's a major cause of um, aseptic meningitis or viral meningitis which doesn't cause um, any long-term problems in older people, but in infants and in neonates particularly, 
less than a month can cause multi-system organ failure. So it's, it's really a different disease in which patient population you're looking at. The CDC had just issued an, an alert on another um, virus just a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but I know that it's shortened to uh, PEV. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so part echovirus is human part echovirus uh, shortened to PEV is what you're talking about. Um, and it's a member of the Picornaviridae family. It's a common childhood pathogen. Um, but this particular part echovirus is causing a febrile illness and some complications, um, not, including but not limited to a rash over the hands and feet, which is pretty characteristic. We've probably seen this virus before, just like we thought um, regular coronavirus before coronavirus hit. But we just have more technology now and quicker assays that are becoming um, more readily available to test, you know, so we can kind of say before we just say, oh, you have a virus. Now we can say, well, now you have human metanumavirus or you have rhinovirus or you have, you know, these different ones. But the paracovirus um, is causing some some of these big problems right now in neonates with the sepsis-like syndrome. So we're heading into the fall. I know that we we talk a lot about it's time to start those flu shots and other types of immunizations. What are the ones that are, should be on uh, front of mind for families right now? Uh, yeah, so I think definitely if you haven't already, getting your children vaccinated for um, COVID according to you know guidelines would be extremely important um, and making sure they're up to date on their other vaccines. Um, a lot of these viruses, we don't have, you know, good vaccines for the other ones we've talked about, enterovirus, um, RSV. Um, so it's important that we do good hand washing. And I think another thing is um, making sure we stay home when we're sick. And I think um, we're not always good about that. It got a lot better during the pandemic. Um, but as a pediatrician during the pandemic, uh, we pediatricians were kind of like, hmm, you know, we always send our kids to daycare and we do all these things all the time. And RSV can be just as deadly as the COVID-19 was, in fact, more so. We didn't see, I mean, there were deaths, of course, but it wasn't um, near the adult population. But RSV is deadly every year, but we still send, you know, kids when they're sick. And I think it's important for people to remember, and I know it's a hassle, I'm a mom of four, I get it. But when your kids are sick, we have to think about the most vulnerable in our areas that we're going to send that kid to, whether it's school, daycare, we want to try and keep them home until they've had no fever for 24 to 48 hours, and they seem to be improving and making sure that we're doing our part and keeping our communities healthy. Once again, want to thank Dr. Haley Newbro, pediatric hospitalist here at Mercy One, for taking the time to speak with us today. Anything else you want to cover for families? Uh, nope. I just think that uh, as we're going into these respiratory months that we can all um, keep up our guard and keep our most vulnerable populations healthy with good hand washing and staying home when we're sick. Thank you for having me. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Haley Newbro, pediatric hospitalist here at Mercy One, for all the information about illnesses and some of our most vulnerable people in the population, our young ones and infants. If you have feedback on this episode, please send it to podcast at mercyhealth.com. You can send us an email at that address. You can also find us at mercyone.org slash podcast. There's a form you can fill out with your feedback, and you can catch up on all of our other episodes. Until next time, live your best life.